Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> Kia ora, everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Today, you'll be hearing from Joy about the birth of her two beautiful baby boys, Jackson and Byron. Jackson and Byron are identical twins, and they were born prematurely, so spent a fair bit of time in the NICU. I'll let Joy tell you the rest of her story. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Joy. Thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about you and your family? Yes, sure. Um, So my name is Joy. I am married to Hendrik and I've got two children. They are identical twin boys and they turned two in October. So they're toddlers now (laughs) and very full on (laughs) and they're very boyish, (laughs) but they're also a lot of fun. I find it's a really fun age. Um, We live in Auckland, actually north of Auckland on the North Shore, quite close to the beach just really nice. Um, and if you can detect a little bit of an accent, I'm originally from Germany, um, but moved here oh, about 10 years ago now. Um, but funnily enough, my husband is also German, although we met here. So we actually oh, speak wow. German at home with the boys. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And mm-hmm. what was the journey like to pregnancy for you? Um, well, we didn't plan to get pregnant. So it was a nice surprise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) after that initial shock, we actually were quite happy about it. Um, um, but because we didn't plan it, we didn't really find out until seven weeks. Um, because that's, that that was my first pregnancy. So I had no idea that instead of just gaining some weight, I was actually pregnant. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then we went for a dating scan because how we got pregnant is that my period was really irregular. So I had no way of like tracking it and I didn't actually think I was actually told, um, I probably couldn't get pregnant or if I wanted to, I would have some problems. Um, so there was, I was told that in January during just a regular, um, blood test kind of thing. And then in May I got pregnant. So that's how it kind of, yeah, which is a big, big surprise. So we went for a dating scan, um, because I, I, I had no idea how far along I would be. And they told us, Oh, yeah, it would have been eight, eight weeks. Yeah, eight weeks. So I went to that dating scan and the sonographer goes, oh, it's, it's all good. You know, I reckon you're about eight weeks, but I can see two heartbeats. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, my gosh, there's something wrong with my baby. Oh, my God. And I, like, <laughs> almost burst into tears. And then Hendrik is, like, really excited and is, like, jumping up and down in his chair. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I must, I must have just looked really shocked. So she goes, Oh no, no, it's okay. You're having twins. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so 
was just, it was just so bizarre. So I'm like, okay, so there's nothing wrong with my baby. And she's like, no, it's just two. So meanwhile, Hendrik's still like super excited. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I don't think I said another word until we got home. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just, yeah, we had like just gotten our heads around being pregnant. Um, I was in the middle of writing my master thesis and, uh, we had also just moved in together. So it was all, yeah, very full on. So then, yeah. um, <laughs> it all kind of happened really fast from there because having twins meant and identical twins, um, which, so they share one placenta meant that we had lots of scans. Um, so the next one was already a couple of weeks later for the 12 week scan. And during that scan, they already picked up that one twin was a little bit smaller. So, um, for that, they automatically put us into a high risk pregnancy, um, which meant we had scans every two weeks and we only had one more scan at like a normal radiology place. And then afterwards we went to hospital because of, um, the risk of twin to twin transfusion syndrome because they're identical. So after that, we didn't have a lot of time to be shocked or think about it much. It was just yeah. more about worrying about the pregnancy. So there was, yeah, we, we really adapted to it all very quickly. Um, and also my midwife was amazing. She told me a lot of just, yeah, it all just became real very quickly and we had to do a lot of yeah. growing up and a lot of preparing very quickly. Um, so that was kind of good in a way. Um, so I was still writing my master thesis. Luckily, luckily I say that, but yeah, it, it was kind of lucky. <laughs> I had night sickness instead of morning sickness. So I went to my full-time oh, okay. job and then spent the rest of the evening after that, after I came home in the bathroom on the floor, writing my master <laughs> thesis and throwing up in between. <laughs> So in hindsight, I've got no idea how I did all of that, but it kind of worked. And I did feel really lucky because I was absolutely fine during the day. And then just, it was very predictable. Yeah. So that was kind of good. Um, and it stopped at 17 weeks. So yeah. Um, and also I guess the, the main focus throughout the pregnancy was just the worry about, um, one baby being smaller and potential risks. So yeah all of the other stuff that I think you you might worry about. Otherwise we, you, we just didn't even really have a lot of time to think about. So plus I was so busy. I was working, I was writing my, my master's thesis. So I was throwing up. So we're just, we were just really busy and trying to prepare for twins. Yeah. So it kind of all flew by really, really quickly until we got to about, until about 26 weeks. Yeah. Um, when things just started to get a bit more serious. So we started to, so because we live on the North shore, I had my scans at North shore hospital, but then I don't remember what week, maybe 20 weeks or so, maybe a bit earlier, we got referred to the fetal mat team at Auckland hospital because they're just more specialized. Um, and from then on, it got kind of, we were kind of expecting to have them early and prematurely because, um, of one baby being smaller or potentially having surgery for twin to twin transfusion syndrome, but it, they just weren't quite sure. So at every scan, they just did full anatomical scan. So I was there for maybe a good two to three hours for every scan because they have to do two babies <laughs> and just kept looking out for all of the signs, you know, in, in case they had to um, interfere. So, and then they never really said, look, they might come really early. It was just more a, 
we're just going to wait and see kind of thing, but we always knew it might be a possibility. Um, so we were actually completely set up by, um, 24 weeks because it's the viability stage. And that's when things got really serious and we weren't, went to Auckland hospital once a week, but always looking out for the smaller twin, which was twin B, um, and just sort of seeing what needs to happen with him and like how much smaller he is. And then at, um, 28 weeks, oh yeah, I had a, I had a scan just before 28 weeks at North Shore Hospital and then they said, oh, look, he's looking really small now. Let's go back to Auckland Hospital a couple of days later. So that was at exactly 28 weeks. Um, so I went there thinking, okay, we'll have another routine checkup. I took Hendrick because, you know, I was sort of getting more serious. Um, and they said they might want to talk through like a plan of how early they might have to come because of this bullet twin. So we go there in the morning. I had a meeting at 10 <laughs> and Hendrik also had a meeting, a work meeting. Obviously I was still working and we got there and they did both the full anatomical scans. As they always do, it takes forever. We go into the little meeting room afterwards to discuss everything with the doctors. Like at that stage, we were so used to, you know, it was kind of routine and then yeah. uh, we sit down and she goes, so you're having those babies tomorrow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, so, um, your small baby is fine. It's all good. Your bigger twin has got a heart problem. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> and then the next thing I said goes, um, I've got a meeting at 10. <laughs> and she's like, and no, no, you don't. You're on maternity leave now. <laughs> so it just, it just didn't sink in at all. And then she threw a whole bunch of um, medical terms at us, that, you know, about what was going on. But basically the bigger twin had um, one of his valves wasn't quite working properly. So all the blood that's supposed to be pushed down kind of came back up. Um, and obviously because they were sharing one placenta, there was a lot more blood than just one baby would have to deal with. Um, yeah. So he, they took in for premature babies that sort of talk about a term about, um, it better being outside than inside. Um, and there's obviously a very fine line, you know, to this. Um, so at this stage they said, look, it might be better for him to be outside so we can give him medication rather than staying inside. So that's what they said. Um, we went home, packed a bag, and that was the end of my pregnancy journey, really, because from then on we were in hospital. Yeah, wow, that's a quick and fairly stressful experience by the sound of it. Yeah, I think I'm talking about it quite lightly now because, you know, it's been two years and I've told the story yeah, a couple yeah. of times to to friends and family and on my blog. But, um, at the time, yeah. And having said that though, I think because, you know, we'd already spent so much time in hospital for the appointments and the entire pregnancy journey, although it was, you know, it was ended up only being less than five months from the time we found out to the time that we actually had the babies. Um, yeah, that was our norm. You know, we, we never had a normal pregnancy. We didn't have enough time to prepare for anything else. We didn't, you know, we weren't planning, we weren't thinking years of, you know, oh, we're going to have a baby or something. It all happened so quick and fast, which in the end was almost a good thing because that's just, you know, we just kind of got thrown into it and didn't have a lot of time to overthink everything. So yeah. um, it wasn't as traumatic as it might have been, you know, if it would have been a different case. So 
plus yeah. the Auckland team was incredible. Like their doctors were amazing and we constantly felt like we were in the best hands possible. Like um, they had a, a twin transfusion specialist there who had just returned from the States and was like one of the most renowned um, doctors for that problem. So it's just, we constantly felt like we were in really good hands, which just makes you feel a lot better um, about the junior, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. And do you want to talk us through your experience with their birth then and into their birth story? Yeah. Um, so uh, that was a Wednesday at exactly 28 weeks. And I got admitted to hospital that afternoon after we just packed a couple of things. Um, and obviously I had to go into work and, you know, get my laptop, just sort of finish everything up there. And so did Hendrik. Oh yeah. I forgot, I forgot to mention one part. <laughs> so <laughs> when we got pregnant, um, my lovely husband proposed to me because, you know, obviously back then we were only a boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, and we're thinking we're going to get married before the babies arrived because obviously we weren't going to have a lot of time once they're here. And with all of our family, except for my parents being in Germany, um, we obviously wanted his parents to be here. And we said we were only going to make it like a really small ceremony because, you know, we never knew what was going to happen when the babies were arriving. But um, there was one week in October that his parents could come over and because um, his, his dad is really busy. So that was like the only time he could get off work. And I would have been 29 weeks pregnant, which obviously isn't, you know, babies aren't supposed to come that early. So it was fine. Yeah. But we still were thinking, well, just make it a small ceremony just in case. So our wedding date was the 12th of October and we got told, you know, um, that we're going to have the babies exactly one week prior. <laughs> so, um, despite oh saying, goodness. look, we're going to have a meeting at 10. We also said, well, we're getting married next week. <laughs> and then yeah. the doctor again said to us, no, no, you're not. <laughs> so, um, but because of that, we had the entire next week off. Um, so, Wednesday night when I got admitted to hospital, luckily we both already had sort of planned for having the next week off. So a lot of our work things were already, you know, finished and Hendrik just ended up taking that Thursday, Friday off extra. So that was all kind of good timing. Plus his parents obviously arrived on um, Sunday. So for some funny reason that all kind of worked out really well because we really needed that support. So the boys weren't born on that Thursday. They were born on the Friday um, because the doctors felt it was safe enough to keep Jackson, the bigger twin, the heart problem twin in there for just a little bit longer. And that was like, it's, it's a bit of a mission to get premature babies out safely if you can, because um, you need a big team. So you usually need all the people that are involved in the C-section, but you also need a team of around four doctors per baby. So with twins, you need around eight available people, plus everyone looking after the mum, which is a lot of people. So it was like maybe 15 to 20 people in the operation room. Oh, wow. Um, so to coordinate all of that obviously takes a little bit of time. And then on the Friday morning, the 7th of October, everything got pushed back a little bit again because it was an emergency. So there's a lot of things you sort of have to think about with premature babies. Um, but they did come via C-section. It's called elective C-section because, you know, it wasn't an emergency on the Friday of midday around one, I think. Um, so that's 28 weeks and two days. We knew. So the other really good thing that was on our side is that, um, Hendrik's sister in Germany is a NICU doctor. So when we're given all of that medical, (laughs) 
jargon. Um, <laughs> we could go straight to her and be like, look, this is happening. We obviously know nothing about this. Like, how bad is it going to be? Like, what, you know, what do we have to deal with? So it was a really, really great support to have someone in the family that could sort of yeah. help us a little bit and just sort of tell us what to, what to expect. Um, but also because we had those two days prior, um, you know, before the boys were born, we actually got to walk around Nico and meet a lot of the doctors there and be sort of prepared for what the babies look like, that they, we won't be able to touch them and all of that kind of stuff. So that was good. And in this, you know, luckily in this day and age, 28 weeks and, um, they were over a kg each and that's, it's pretty safe. So we're really lucky that that, that's, you know, it's, it's really good odds when they're over kg and at 28 weeks. Um, yeah. So when they were born, we, you know, I was obviously, it was a C-section and we weren't really told much. We knew we wouldn't be able to see them or anything. They just sort of got whisked away. We heard them cry and that's about it. Um, and then on my way back to my room, I got wheeled past their room in Niku. And that's, that's all I got to see of them. Um, just really quickly, obviously Hendrik got to see them a little bit more. He got to like walk up to them and everything. But I obviously I'm telling you from, from my side, I don't remember much of that because you're obviously quite out of it. Um, yeah. and then we're just told they're okay. Um, and that's about it. So I, they weren't okay, <laughs> not at all, but I didn't find out until almost a week later, actually. Um, which also in hindsight is, is good because, you know, you're a new mum, you're obviously really worried about having premature babies anyway. You're really worried about yourself just having undergone quite major surgery. Um, but what really happened is that Byron actually had to be resuscitated right when he came out. So he came out not breathing and very blue. So that happened straight away, but luckily that all went fine and he was able to be transferred into his incubator. So Byron was the little one that we were originally worried about. He didn't turn out yeah. to be very little. <laughs> he was absolutely mm -hmm. fine. He was um, just above a kg. And Byron, uh, sorry, Jackson, the one was a heart problem, was 1.3 kgs, and he came out crying and fine. And they both went into CPAP, which is a form of, of oxygen. Um, and then they started monitoring Jackson's heart straight away, and we had – a team of doctors that actually stayed with him all night, which I didn't know. I didn't know about this until way later. And I also didn't find out about Byron until way later. Um, and then the next morning I was already doing really well, which was great. And I got to see them and just be there. And um, Jackson was on an open table because very sick premature babies can't be put in an incubator because of all the wires and um, tubes and everything. Plus if, you know, if, if something drops like their heart rate or their oxygen saturation or whatnot, they obviously need to be accessed really, really quickly. So they put them on like a open heated table rather than an incubator. So that's what Jackson was on. So we got to, for us, that just meant we got to touch him a little bit more, <laughs> um, and see him. And yeah, that was kind of like, there was us being in NICU. Um, we were expecting to stay in NICU for quite a while. Usually with premature babies, you sort of aim, you're hoping, you're not hoping, but you get told they're probably going to be in NICU until their actual due date. 
So, you know, we're kind of thinking three months probably, which is exactly what happened. Um, there's a lot in NICU, there's a lot of things you you obviously don't know until you are in in the medical field or you've, you know, been in touch with a NICU baby before or anything about prematurity, which we didn't. Um, and obviously the nurses and the doctors are amazing and they tell you a lot of things, but it's still a lot to wrap your head around. Plus, you know, you, new parents, <laughs> you've got children all of a sudden and, you know, I was also still healing from having C-section. So there's, there's a lot. So slowly we kind of got to understand what the monitors mean and we got to understand the routine and all of that. Um, we weren't allowed to touch the children really or hold them, nothing like this. It's, you know, that they're very tiny, very fragile, very tiny. Um, and yeah, that there was us in NICU. So Byron turned out to be absolutely fine. Like I said, this, this, the smaller, um, twin, he was on CPAP, which is normal for, um, that sort of gestation and prematurity. Um, Jackson was pumped full of medication, literally everything they had, and they couldn't quite figure out what was wrong with him. Um, and again, we didn't quite understand that because we were very much in our bubble of, we we're just so excited that we, you know, we're parents and we had these twins and everything was very exciting. Hendrix's parents had arrived and we we're just really happy that they were there and alive, so to say. Um, so I got discharged on, um, Monday and I was actually doing really, really well. I was recovering very quickly. I didn't even look pregnant, like right after I got out of surgery, pretty much because, you know, at 28 weeks, I had a pretty small belly, even for twins. So that was really good. Um, so we decided we're still going to get married <laughs> since <laughs> Hendrik's parents were there and we had said everything, you know, we, we had everything planned. Um, we had canceled like all the big stuff, like the photographer and videographer and all that kind of stuff. We had canceled that, um, knowing that it was going to be an even smaller ceremony than we had already planned. Um, we're just going to do it in my parents' backyard, but you know, we had arranged obviously, um, the celebrant and the cake and that kind of stuff. So, um, on, so it was going to happen on the 12th of October, the Wednesday, which happened also happens to be my grandparents, um, wedding day. And they had just celebrated their fifties wedding anniversary. So the date meant mm -hmm. something to us and we just kind of wanted to keep it, you know? Um, so Tuesday night we were in Nico saying goodnight to the boys, went home. I, we even like, Oh, we did some like paper decorations at night before we went to bed. Um, and then uh, also obviously I was pumping, you know, um, my milk had come in. I was, I was pumping. Um, and I was thinking, okay, I'll wake up around four to pump again. You know, you should keep in that like three hourly rhythm. We're thinking we'll do the celebration in the morning, the, the wedding, and then go to Nico afterwards. Um, I never woke up to pump because I slept through my alarm because I must have been very tired. And then Hendrick's phone rang around 5 a.m. And I heard the phone ring and I already knew, like I just knew something was going to be really wrong. So without even waiting for him to answer, I got up and got dressed. Um, so he answers the phone and we, we sort of have had the same nurse on night shift for the last couple of nights, which was amazing because that really helped us in the situation. So we knew her, um, and she goes, look, Jackson is going to die. Um, you need to come in now in order to beat the traffic because, you know, we, we live, um, a little bit 
further away from the hospital. So it's a good, like 30 yeah. to 40 minutes was out traffic. Um, so she said, look, the traffic's about to hit at six. You need to come in now. He's dying. Um, so we jumped into the car and went to the hospital and not thinking about anything else except for obviously our child. And all I remember is just thinking, no, no, he's not, he's not going to die. This is not going to be our story. I'm not going to race an identical twin was oldest brother. Like I wasn't even really thinking about myself. I was just thinking about Byron. I was like, no, this is it's not going to happen. Um, so we get there and, um, we came in and the doctor said, look, he's, he's just stabilized. It's looking a little bit better, but it's very touch and go. Basically we don't know what to do with him anymore. We've been trying everything since he was born. And that's the first time we both realized how sick he was. We just, you know, we, without the medical knowledge, we just didn't realize before. And yeah. obviously the doctors, again, there's a very fine line of them telling you how serious it is because as a parent, you know, the, the one doctor always said, look, our job is to be very realistic. Your job is to be really hopeful because that's what's going to help the child. Um, and I thought that was, that he put it in really good words. So they, they obviously tell you, yeah what's going on, but not to a very full extent. And we didn't understand because we don't have the medical knowledge. Hendrick's dad, for example, he knew exactly. He actually told us later that he said goodbye to Jackson the night before because he, just from reading the stats and everything, he knew that medically he was going to die, but we didn't. So, um, so we came in here, just stabilized and they said, look, it's so touch and go. We don't know what's going to happen. So we just sat there and watched him and, um, I was kind of in my own bubble. I was just thinking about the children. I was praying. I was just, I don't know, just doing my thing, just not talking to anyone. Our parents were waiting outside. We had called them and they sort of came in just 20 minutes after we did. And then, um, the nurses do 12 hour shifts in NECO. So they do a handover when the next nurse arrives. Um, and obviously was a sick child like Jackson. He's got lots of things that need to be monitored and lots of blood tests every half an hour and lots of medication. So the handover took a good 45 minutes. And within that time, um, one of the nurses turns to us and goes, look, he's dropping a little bit. I'm just going to push the alarm bell, but just because I don't want to go outside and um, look for a doctor, which was another lie. <laughs> um, so she pushed the alarm and it was literally like you would see in the movies, all the doors flew open. A team of like, I don't know, 15 people came in and, uh, it's the whole pumping adrenaline and trying to resuscitate a teeny tiny little baby. Like literally you would see in the movie just was teeny tiny little instruments. Yeah. Um, so the doctor actually was a special nurse, but at the time we thought it was a doctor, um, just kept going. She goes, another dose of adrenaline. Let's go again. Let's try again. Another dose, please. And we're just sitting there like, Oh my God, what's going on? What's going on? Um, kind of realizing he, he was about to slip away, but also not really, you know, I've never seen anything like it. So you, you don't realize, um, and then a couple of minutes later, she turns to us and goes, oh, my gosh, he's awake. He's got his eyes open. He's awake. And that's when I realized, oh, crap, my child just died. You know, like that's when I realized. Yeah. So he came back. He was actually gone for over three minutes. Um, he came back. And after that, to cut a very long story short, he just kept improving um, hour oh. after hour after hour. 
We don't know why. No one knows why. But they actually flew in doctors after that just to see him. He's classified as a medical miracle. No one knows. No one knows what happens. We are incredibly lucky. So, so lucky. And he came home before his brother did. He's had, he's had zero problems after that. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Insane. Absolutely insane. And then when everything was over, someone turned to us and goes, when are you supposed to get married today? <laughs> and we're like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we stayed in Nico. They, the whole day after that was kind of blue. Um, we, we, st- we stayed in Nico until that Sunday. Someone, someone, sometime along the day, someone just came in and said, look, we've, uh, we pre- prepared a room for you in the ward. You just have to go over there and lay down. <laughs> Um, because obviously it was really touch and go again, you know, after that, because no one knew what happened. So no one, none of the doctors could tell us if he was out of the woods or not. Um, so we stayed in Nico for those days, just seeing what was going to happen, if it was going to get better, but he did really, really quickly, actually. So once, um, he actually, he came off the ventilation and most of his medications by Sunday. So it was kind of safe for us to go home. Yeah. And from then on, we had a somewhat normal um Nico journey. It was a lot of ups and downs of premature babies, but nothing like that again. And Jackson came home without oxygen um at thirty eight weeks, so ten weeks after he was born. And Byron went on to go to a different hospital um with less intense care, so a special care baby unit on the North Shore. Yeah. Then he had to go back to Starship for a little while because of his oxygen problems, and then he came home on oxygen. But that's all quite, quite normal for a premature baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how many weeks was he when he came home on the oxygen? Um, Byron didn't come home until after his due date, so he was in um, in hospital for over three months. So he came home on the thirteenth of January. So he would have been like um, almost two weeks corrected. So with premature babies, you talk yeah. about the um, actual age and the corrected age. So everything after the um, the due date is the corrected age, which is quite important um, for the development and a couple of medical things um, you need to consider because you always kind of look at them as their corrected age. So kind of like the first three months in, in our case, because we want um, three months early, don't really count when you look at when are they going to crawl, when they start solids, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he was on oxygen for another five months, so nine months in total. Yeah. Oh, wow. But to be honest, after after what happened with Jackson, we didn't care. <laughs> like every single <laughs> yeah. day that they were there and healthy, it was fine. We went through another couple of things with Byron, but um, on a different level because Nico is very tiring. It's it's a crazy roller coaster and it's very unpredictable because the the babies are just so unpredictable. Um, like I said, we're very lucky we're in this day and age because there's so much research obviously already done about premature babies. But there's also a very big, scary amount of research that they haven't done yet or that they just don't know yet. So a lot of the times it's really just sort of waiting and seeing 
what's going to happen with a baby and a lot of, you, you just don't know, which is very scary for parents and also um, very frustrating. Like, you know, at this stage where we had been in hospital for over eight weeks and, um, or over 10 weeks and we were going to have one baby at home and another one still in hospital and we're coming up to Christmas and no one could yeah. tell us when we're going to come home. So it's, it's really hard at times, but then again, you know, it's, yeah, because you kind of, in the moment, it's really hard to remember that, but, um, we always try to sort of bring ourselves back thinking, look, they're both here. We have two babies. They're fine. You know, it's just, it might just take a little while longer. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's hard in the moment. So I've, I've since talked to a lot of mums and Nico and it's, it always kind of comes back to the same thing of just sort of in that moment, it seems like a lifetime, but, um, you know, it for us, you know, it's already like two years ago and it was only three months if you, if you, if you think about it like that. So yeah, but it's still yeah. a really hard time. It's tough to, tough to go through it for everyone. Yeah, for sure. And once both the boys were home, what was that journey like for you? You've obviously had one of them at home for a little while and then they're both there. Yeah. So, well, um, we, yeah, it was really nice to have Jackson at home, obviously, but we were still in a hospital every day, um, seeing Byron. So, so before I had, um, one home, I literally went to, I left, um, my, my house early in the morning, um, went to Auckland hospital, stayed there all day, came back home at night. That was my day. And then once Jackson was home, obviously I had to adjust it a little bit. Um, I was breastfeeding him, which was really great, which again, isn't, doesn't always happen with premature babies. So we're very lucky that he did that. Um, and then we went to North Shore hospital where Byron was at that stage, um, maybe around lunchtime and then stayed for the rest of the day. So really those weeks weren't that much of an adjustment. Like in plus you have to think about Jackson was only 30, was he 36, 37 weeks when he got home. So he didn't even cry yeah. until he was like 40 weeks because, you know, technically they're still so small. So not really new when he slept most of the day. And that was, that was pretty, pretty much it. Plus he's my easy baby anyway. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't really have to be worried about anything because we're in hospital every day. So even if they're, you know, even if I had to, if, if something would have come up, we were in hospital. So it wasn't like, you know, um, yeah, it wasn't really a big adjustment, I have to say. It was just really nice to have one baby home. Um, yeah. And then it got re- it got more tricky once Byron obviously came home because that's the first time it hit us that we had twins, you know. Um, so on the one hand, we were just overjoyed to just finally be home and, like, just all be together. And it's a simple thing like seeing the sun, you know. We just, we'd been in hospital for so long, just that artificial light and – all the medical yeah. stuff and all the beeping of the machines and the constant worry. It was just so nice to just be home. So I think emotionally we kind of went back and forth a lot between the normal things you experience with newborns, especially twins, you know, sleep deprivation, a lot of vomiting, a lot of nappy change. There's a lot of just everything being so new and trying to adjust to it. Um, and then also the worry about Byron's medical things that he still was dealing with, but then it kind of got balanced was just gratitude. We're just all that. There were just so many little things, like even just waking up in the middle of the night and I looked at my husband and was like, you know what? We're here. At least we're home. So 
um, it, it almost made it a little bit easier in a way. But then, um, once Byron got a little bit bigger, like, so like a month or so in, um, he went down a little bit again. He didn't come off the oxygen as quickly or, you know, so, um, was the oxygen at home at that point he was on low flow and it, you kind of need to wean him off it. So we knew it was going to be a process, but we didn't anticipate it to be that long. Um, and again, it's something you just can't predict at all. Um, it, cause it's totally up to the baby and there's a fine line again between the baby needing to gain weight in order to grow its lungs and, um, get rid of that scar tissue. So basically Byron has got chronic lung disease, which is again, very common. It sounds so scary, but it's very common with premature babies. And it basically just means if you compare his lung to Jackson's lung, for example, it's just got a lot of scar tissues. Um, and that just needs to, he just needs to grow out of it. And he still has a two years old. If you would look at it now, he'd still look so different than the lung of an, of a normal child. Um, I think yeah. they renew until I five something. So the lungs just keep growing and renewing its tissue for a long time, actually. Um, so he needed to gain weight. It was really hard to breastfeed because he had the, the nasal prongs on his nose. So, you know, it was really hard for him to latch because his, his face was just full of cables and tubes. Um, so we had to put him on the bottle and in, in hospital, he was also on medications and things like, fortify and thickener to make, um, cause you'd, he sort of had reflux. It's, I'm not sure if it was a reflux, well, it is reflux, but it's also really normal for premature babies, you know? So it's not like a, I wouldn't say it's like a reflux, a normal baby would have it's more to do again yeah. with his prematurity because his tummy pushes, um, or his lungs push against, um, his tummy because obviously there's oxygen, they expend was every time the oxygen is pumped into his lungs. So that's, that's kind of like why he had reflux. So there was just a lot of things going on. And then, like I said, about a month or so in, um, he, yeah, we just weren't seeing the improvements we were hoping for. So we had to start doing things like tracking his bottles, um, you know, writing down how much he would take every day and, a lot of other things like, um, so with, with premature babies that are on oxygen or, or children that come on oxygen, you get a home care team. So a nurse comes every week to weigh and just talk through everything, um, that is necessary and, um, or like, you know, track the child. So at that stage, we also got a dietitian to see if we needed to do something else. So we had to put them on a special, um, formula for premature babies to, yeah, just to see if he could would um, gain some weight that way. So I got just quite stressed with me trying to pump. So I was breastfeeding Jackson, pumping for Byron, and then just sort of all the emotional stress about worrying about him. Yeah. When or if he was going to come off that oxygen. So the first five months were still quite stressful, and then after probably like four months of not sleeping, <laughs> that kind of started to hit yeah. us too. <laughs> Plus, yeah. um. You know, you kind of think the journey ends once you're home or as preemie babies, but it sort of doesn't because the worry just doesn't completely go away. It's obviously a completely different story than being in hospital, but, you know, we couldn't go anywhere because the immune systems are so low. Yeah. It's not recommended to leave the house really. So you don't have the whole newborn baby stage. Hey, let's have some friends around or, you know, let's go to a cafe. You just don't really have that. Um, you have to be so careful with visitors. We, we literally didn't have anyone around really. 
you can't really go outside yeah. um, for that reason. Plus we had two. So that was a mission in its own yeah. and an oxygen tank. So after those like initial stage of being really, really happy to be home a few months in, and then, you know, it got into winter. It got really hard um, because yeah, we, we're just so housebound and, it started to be a bit isolating as well. Luckily, um, I had my mom yep. help me from day one. She was in NICU every day. She was home and came visit every day and helped me with the boys. So that definitely helped me to keep sane. <laughs> Looking back at it now, I still put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, you know, our story is obviously very extreme in a way because we sort of had it all you know we had twins we had premature twins and we had premature twins home on oxygen having said that we know a lot of stories from NICU that were a lot worse than ours so in in all of that we still felt really really grateful every single day just that we had the boys at home and just sort of you know there's always a story that's worse than yours so um there was still like a lot of gratitude in those in those months but Looking back, I was still really hard on myself and I wish I hadn't been that much, you know, because, yeah. um, a lot of days I didn't get dressed because I, you know, I, I was working on like two hours of sleep. Um, and a lot of days we didn't manage to get food or Hendrik had to come home early from work because I, you know, I was just completely overwhelmed or he had to change his shirt three times in the morning because he got power checked on trying to leave the house. <laughs> yeah. So we still sort of try to keep it together, you know, and, um, yeah, I just, if there's one piece of advice I can give to someone in that sort of situation or any new mom, really just, just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's really hard to hear in those months. If someone says to you, look, it's going to get easier, you know, cause you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. to be completely honest, it didn't get easier for a long time. Um, it, the boys started sleeping through just before they turned two. So we had a long time of sleep deprivation and the f- whole first year was rubbish. Um, but we still, you know, we still enjoyed it and we still uh, try to just sort of enjoy every day and just be happy with the things that we could do. And, um, yeah, it's just the, yeah, not being so hard on myself and or any, any mom that goes through that, just sort of letting it go and just taking for what it is, you know, it's in the end. Yeah. It's just a couple of years of that out of your life. So, yeah. 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 Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with me today, Joy. I really appreciate it. And I think other mums are going to get a lot out of your story too. So thank you. Thank you. It was really nice to chat to you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback, so either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at KiwiBirthTales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.